G'day guys, welcome to episode 141 of Talking With TK. I'm your host Tristan Cannell. Another great episode today, we've got a dual international in Henry Paul. Henry for mine is, you know, in terms of the Kiwis that have gone over to the Super League, he absolutely dominated over there for a number of clubs, including probably the most prominent probably being Wigan and Bradford, but in my eyes, probably the best player from New Zealand to go over the Super League and never play in the NRL. He just had it all. He had size, skill, speed. His goal kicking was second to none. Actually held the record for most consecutive goal kicks with Hazem El Mashri. That was 35 until it was broken in 2011. But it's it stood for a long, long time. But just an amazing player. I've had his brother Robbie on the show before. He's the one that introduced us. And uh, yeah, I was really ecstatic to get Henry on the on the podcast. Heard some really great things from his former coach, Matt Elliott, as well. Uh, He was a dual international, played league for New Zealand, and through his grandpa's ancestry, he actually played for England in rugby union. So he's got plenty of stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing them to you. I've got a major announcement tonight. I've actually got a book in the works, and it's going to be coming soon. So we'll be out pre-Father's Day, so... I've teamed up with New Holland Publishers and I've put together 75 of my favorite interviews from my four years of podcasting. So most of them do come from the Talking With TK podcast, but I've also got a lot of interviews that a lot of you probably wouldn't have heard before with the likes of Jonathan Thurston, Laird Hamilton, Evander Holyfield, Layla Ali, George Foreman and Lane Beachley. So I've been very fortunate and blessed to cover a lot of Great sports people across a number of sports. So it's going to be 75, pretty much the five best bits that I've enjoyed from each one. It's a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of great yarning, but it's going to be perfect for Father's Day. It's priced at around $29.95. It will be available in all good bookstores. But if you want to have a yarn about the book, get in touch. Send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com, or send me a direct message on my Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I'll definitely share more information as that comes up. Speaking of books, definitely do support also Keith Mason's Rugby Blood. It's the first ever rugby league comic. Jump on Amazon, just search Rugby Rugby Blood. But it's one of those things that uh, even for, for Maysale as well, a lot of these things are a passion project. So realistically, for all my podcasting, I actually haven't been paid a cent yet. So... It's one of those things that, yeah, if you can get behind it and support it, really helps me to continue to push things like marketing and things like that. And just getting in front of more and more people helps me to pay for things if I need to go on trips to interview people. So, yeah, if you can, you know, support, find in your heart to support me, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great gift if you want to, you know, send it to a loved one, especially for Father's Day. I think it'd be perfect. It is definitely. Um, you know, the promotions coming up are all definitely going to be focused on that. But I think anyone can get some some inspiration from the book. Definitely check out the back catalogue at www.talkingwithtk.com. 140 episodes. So definitely check that out. I really appreciate all the people getting in touch via email, social, and especially if you've left a review of late. Thank you so much. They're going through the roof. And if you haven't yet, please, if you could leave a review, you can do that on Apple or Apple, sorry, Apple or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, social media on Facebook page. That would be fantastic. 
All right, guys, I am excited to bring this episode to you, and I introduce Henry Paul. All right, guys, my special guest today is Henry Paul. Henry is a dual international in rugby league and rugby union with his distinguished career, including 334 first-grade games in the English Super League for Wakefield, Wigan, Bradford Bulls, and Harlequins. He represented New Zealand in 24 tests. He converted to rugby union, playing over 150 games. He also represented England in six tests, and he also played at the 2002 and 2006 Commonwealth Games, winning a silver medal in 06. Welcome to the podcast, Henry Paul. Henry, welcome, buddy. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, gee, just, uh, I need to write down those stats. So I, I didn't realize I played all those games. Mate, it's, a, it's an impressive resume, yeah, especially when you, when you consider you know, your successful transition into coaching. So first things first, mate, you're an assistant coach under Kingsley Jones at Russia, uh, not Russia, Canada. Obviously, you guys met during your time at, at at Russia, but you guys got a World Cup coming up, mate. So before we get into the World Cup stuff, tell me a little bit about how you got into coaching and at what stage of maybe even your playing career that you decided that you wanted to be a coach. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the, the playing career you just, you just alluded to and give me some uh, some information I didn't remember. Man, just means I'm really old. Um, and then the coaching side of it, it's it's making me it's making me older even still. Um, I now get it. Now I think back to when myself as a player, how much grief I gave my coaches. Um, yeah. Oh mate, I've right. got some, I've got some special questions from Matty Elliott today for you. So oh, in terms man. of grief, he's lined a couple up for you, bud. No, uh, he's, he's, he was a great coach for me. He was a, an inspiration in my time at Bradford Balls. Um, how did I get into coaching? I had a 17-year professional career, and I kind of came out of that, not really like like probably a lot of um, professionals, not kind of really knowing what I wanted to do, but got yeah. quite lucky, uh, like, like a lot of things, it's who you know. Um, and when I was finishing off my career uh, at... Leeds Carnegie uh, in the Premiership. Um, I got a call kind of out of the blue from Steve Diamond, who's now the director of rugby and head coach at um, Sale Sharks. Okay. And at that time, Steve was um, uh, head coach and director of rugby at uh, the Russian Rugby Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and his conversation was, look, what, what are you doing June and July in the UK uh, for Premiership as our off-season? Yeah, um, and I was I was negotiating maybe doing one more season if I could if I could squeeze it out of Leeds. I was thirty six at the time, maybe thinking about Japan and having a season there. Um, and Dimes is basically um, mate, uh, do you fancy two weeks in Denver and a week in New York to coach the Russians? And I was like, oh hell yeah, you know, it sounds sounds amazing, sounds great. I yeah, very much about the Russian team or their players. Um, only one guy, uh, Vasily Atomev, who was um, at that time signing for uh, Northampton Saints. Yep. So yeah, my knowledge of their team was was pretty was pretty small. But um, when I agreed, I got straight on the net and I was looking up all the players and I got a heads up from Steve and the playbook and I went as their attack coach to help him out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically that's that's the start of my career because then I, I then got asked that that was quite a successful little trip, um, and I've never been to New York before, so it was, that was great. And we we beat Uruguay in that trip, 
Um, and that basically the, the union said to Steve, could Henry stay on and go with the team to the World Cup 2011, New Zealand? Yep. Um, I kind of went, I'm 36, just squeeze another season out or go into coaching and go to the World Cup my first year. And I just went, you know what, I'm going to go that way. I'm going to take that pathway. I don't know, I'm not sure if I was really overplaying, but I don't regret my decision. And, uh, and that was just, you know, an amazing year going with the Russians, doing some ENC stuff over in Moscow, going to Ukraine, um, going to Bucharest, playing Romania. So yeah, just, uh, just a really, really fascinating, interesting year up until the World Cup. Um, and, and that was, was amazing as well. Yeah, Henry, when you coach, for example, you know, you've coached at Russia, you're coaching Dubai, and now obviously in Canada. You know, when you're coaching, because of your background, you know, you, you played at high-level high rugby league in England, you know, you played national team for New Zealand, and then when you converted, same thing, you, you played at such a high level. With the coaching that you receive at that level, how much adjustment do you have to make when you coach a, like a, a development country, so to say? Um, I don't think you um, definitely don't dumb it down. If that's kind of what you're alluding to. Um, yeah, I was just thinking. Do you just are you focusing on key skills? Like, what's the what do you think the the key focus kind of is? Well, you kind of get. I mean, the, the initial thing was to get to know the players, um, get to know what they're like as people. Um, I think that was really important. Uh, was learning their culture, especially with yeah. Russia stuff. That was. You know, I coached all the way through my career. I'd done after-school stuff. I'd gone into to clubs to help. Uh, the RFU had put stuff together. The RFL yep. had done stuff. I'd gone back to New Zealand. I, I coached minis when I was, you know, 16, 17, um, when I was going through uni. Um, you know, I was kind of aware of, you know, my strengths and, 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 and some of my weaknesses as a coach. So it was really good to have, to be under someone like... Um, Obviously, the coaches that I've had in the past, you know, I look back at Auckland, John Ackland, um, mm. John Money, um, Frank Endicott, um, Matt Elliott, Brad Bradford, Graham West at Wigan. Uh, you know, just just a lot of a lot of good uh, people and good men that that coached me, um, and, and I was hopefully day one took a lot of, of what I did during my my playing career with them. If yep. I go and, if I did a session. I used to just copy what we did, you know, and, and some of our, you know, some of our sessions that I was actually a player. So, but I took all the fun stuff, you know, I took all the games and yeah. we, we, kids and adults, you know, they want to play games. And I kind of get that whole teaching for games for understanding, you know, it's, it's been part of my sort of makeup as a player. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I'm a player centered coach. Um, I want to make it, you know, game related and fun and enjoyable, uh, but also tough. So, with Russia, it was mainly learning about, well, I suppose for all the countries I've been into, it's about learning their culture, um, adding a bit of my own to the mix, um, yep. and, and enjoying it. I think that's that's what I've tried to do the whole, you know, the whole time I've been coaching and being, being as a player. If I didn't enjoy it, I moved on. Um, um, and I think that's really important. Yeah. While we're on games, mate, I'll ask you this first question from Matty Elliott. Okay, so his question to you was, he wants to know, when you guys played cards, table tennis, or anything outside rugby league, why you always cheated? Uh, well, that comes from... Uh, the cheating thing is like... Um, 
learned quite early in New Zealand, uh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a, a common theme. I, you know, I, I played first grade at 17 in the uh, two Roosters in, in West Auckland. Um, and that team was was filled with like what you'd say were men's men. Yeah. You know, they were all, you know, tough guys, older guys um, from all varying different walks of life. And I learned straight away, you know, if you want to survive and you want to stay in the team, you've got to be fitter and faster than most of them. And also you've got to, you've just got to cheat your way through and, and any advantage is the best advantage. So, yeah, I don't think Matt was a fan of us playing cards. We was, you always used to like play poker. Yeah. Um, but he was, uh, you know, he was definitely a, a coach that um, encouraged uh, competition amongst each other and to drive each other. So he's got himself to blame. Um, I, yeah, I blame. <laughs> he was, he continued that theme of, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. You know, if you're not trying, you're not cheating. Um, he was definitely <laughs> one of those guys that, on the surface, he may have said, you know, you know, but underneath, he was a winner as well. And whatever it took, whatever it takes, do it. I got no doubt. You know, you just mentioned, you know, coming through the grades so early in footy. And, you know, as a half, Henry, you know, you were quite big because you, you were tipping something like 97 kilos when you played. And when I, when I interviewed your brother, he told me that your dad was actually a front rower. So were you blessed to have the skills of a half? But because another person that I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, Paul Scholthorpe, he said you were the hardest hitter that on the on the field. Like in terms of... Most people direct the traffic towards halves. They would not direct it towards you because your defence was actually one of your strengths as well. So, you know, question was, do you think you get your build from your dad? And then also, do you think your defence was maybe a little bit underrated? Um, that, that's really nice from Paul. I mean, he was a he was a tough guy as well. So when I used to get the ball and make sure I shifted that ball so I didn't get hit from Paul's goal. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I probably got my frame from, well, it's hard because my brother's a short-ass, so... Uh, he's sure quite he's a bit smaller than you, yeah. Um, yeah, probably got my frame from my dad, but we got zero skill from dad. All the skill came from mum. Like, <laughs> uh, we used to get watch dad used to play for a local team out west, wider matter, seagulls, and their games used to always end up, because it was senior Bs, they always end up in a brawl, and dad would be at the centre of most of them. Um, generally trying to calm things down, but I think he let loose a few times as well. I don't think I've ever had a fight, whether it be um, on, a, on a rugby field or um, even a domestic argument. I'm, I'm, I, cr- I cringe and cry away from anything like that, but you know, physicality in the game is, is the biggest part of the game. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, you, I had to make sure that, um, you know, I could, I could, meet expectation with, you know, um, some of the people that, you know, you play against. I was quite lucky. I got to play against Australia at a young age, and I learned from that first test match um, what it's like to be um, bullied and sledged, and mm. and I, lo- I loved it. I loved every moment of it. You know, I got called all, all things under the sun, and it just it just washed off me. I just loved that environment. Um, you know, getting stepped on by Wendell Sailor is not much fun, but and getting right. and getting and getting bounced by uh, Paul Surinan when you're a young kid is, you know, it's actually a lot of fun because uh, I watched these guys as a, as a junior growing up in Auckland and then yeah. I got to play 
system was, you know. I was really lucky in my era. I caught the kind of back end of Mel Meninga, Ricky Stewart, those mm. guys, and then also played against Lockyer, uh, Brad Fiddler. Um, so, I, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm not good all the time. I got really lucky to play against, you know, those guys I used to watch as a kid, and then I got to play against them, you know, when they were still pretty good players. So, um, just look back at my career, and I just, you know, really, really wrapped. Yeah, Henry, who did you who do you reckon because you played first grade so early in your career? Who do you think you based? You know, everyone's got idols and things they pick up from everyone. You mentioned you know a whole heap of you know living legends. Who do you think you you kind of modelled your own game on? Um, I don't know, I don't think I modelled my game on on anyone, um, so to speak. But you know, as a young Kiwi growing up in, in Auckland, I, I used to love watching Olsen Filipina. Okay. Uh, you know, big burly guy, um, you know, used to do the Kiwi sidestep where he'd bowl people over. I wasn't that type of player. I, my thing was, because I was more slight, started as a fullback. You yeah. know, I was trying to in and around people. But my first season in Auckland Rugby League was awful. The team was great, but I, you know, I, I look back and some, and, and there was a little, few of our games were on TV. And I remember having probably my worst games on TV whenever they, yeah. were, they were shown. Auckland Rugby yeah. League. What, what happened? Shot. Just, you know, I, I did things like um, the ball was kicked over the front line. We played on a pitch that was really wet. I okay. didn't think I'd get to the ball before their chaser. So I tried to chip the ball past them. After they'd already chipped it over the front line, okay. all I did was chip it into the guy's hands. Like ridiculous stuff. Like stuff yeah. there. But we still had a good season and we still went to the finals, you know. And I, I, I thankfully... The players in front of me because I'd have to make up for some just outrageous stuff. You think like, what is he doing? But I, th- I think you know breaking those, making those mistakes, helped me at, on an early, at an early age as well because I didn't do that again. You know, yeah. went on the deck, I dived on it like it's a grenade. You know, things like that. It's, but I do look back and I cringe at some of the mistakes I made. But I think it helped me later on in life, and I'm glad the guys in front of me because I was so young. Yeah, you know, just a tap and a, you know ruffle my hair and they're like, right, you've given one away. You need to score two now. So that, you know, was quite, there was still that encouragement. Um, yeah. But I think that's because, you know, I worked really hard. I, I ran every day. My brother did nothing as a, as a junior. He just, he was naturally talented, but I ran every day to keep, to keep fit and to be fitter yeah. than the men I was against. Um, yeah. Robbie was, yeah. I, I hate Robbie for that. He's just too, he was too natural as a killer. He said, it. Because I'll be going running and he wouldn't come running. I said, well, you're not going to make it. And then what happens? He, he makes it. So, But then he worked his butt off. So, You well, you were probably a perfect example because he saw that he probably could get to a point with natural talent. And then when everyone else was the same, he would need to start you know, busting his ass like his old brother. I think he grew up in that era with Stacey Jones, Joe Wagner. I think he, <laughs> he started to go, oh, wow. Being able to run and hit and spin, and it's not. It's, I need to be fit as well and yeah, and stronger. So yeah, um, yeah. His teammates around him helped him get better, and then obviously I bullied him. So I think he. Won. <laughs> I have I have heard about your bullying, mate. I heard it's uh, it's some legendary stuff. So Henry, take 
Take me to when you were Junior Kiwis captain and you guys toured England. It was quite a breakthrough moment for you as a player because, you know, it really put you in, in the headlines over in England because everyone was so impressed with how easily you, you pretty much smashed over the, the palms over there, bud. No, it was, it was a great series. It was just a, you know, um, uh, life-defining moment, you know, being a young guy that going to... Um, the, the great sites of like Blackpool Beach and uh, <laughs> some of these northern, you know, Blackpool Beach, they, they basically sold Blackpool Beach. It was like Bondi Beach. Um, Blackpool Beach in the north of England is nothing <laughs> like Bondi Beach. I'll be honest with you. But it was, a, it was such an experience. Um, you know, our squad was, you know, again, another diverse group of guys, um, all just heavy in talent. So heavy in talent. I was so lucky. But fair play to um, Great Britain. Um, we won the test match at Wembley, but we lost the, the second test. So we squared it one all up at Wigan. Um, yep. And they played fantastic. Easton Harris, uh, uh, you know, Andrew Farrell. They just, they, they really turned up. So um, our team probably should have won it. But the, the, the British guys were, they were, they were fired up and, they took that second game, and it, yeah, it was a real shock to us, and probably good learning learning uh, experience for us young Kiwi guys. Yeah, what was the size differential between the Kiwi and the the Pommy boys? Um, oh, gee, I mean, you look at guys we had in Team Jovagana, um, Billy Weepu. Yeah, yeah, we probably had a we probably had a significant. Uh, uh, well, Joe Kiwi. alone, mate. Let's say about one hundred and thirty. I think he's probably 160 now. Um, but uh, it wasn't, yeah, I think the British guys, you know, used their strengths well against us. Um, and a lot, of their, a lot of their guys were playing in sort of just starting in the premiership. They were, they, were, they, were, they were good players, so it really caught a lot of us off guard. That second test, I think we thought we could, because we, we went through the, the club's stuff, like beating Wigan and Warrington in these club games. You know, quite quite easily, but came to that that second test match, they they got all their te- technique right and got their their game plan, their structure right, and they they showed they showed us up really. So, you know, it's all something I look back and go, you know what, that probably helped me become a better professional because um, maybe we got a bit cocky on that tour. Yeah. But uh, it's great because it did. Like, um, um, because a lot of the British guys had signed up for Super League teams or was pre Super League. I think because we did so well, we, we certain guys got on the radar, but pretty much everyone in our junior Kiwis had signed either NRL or, or ARL at the time or the Warriors. So we had pretty much all signed up. Yeah. Because Warriors, what, were two years away from coming into the comp, right? Yeah, it was about 18 months, yeah. So I, um, and I, you know, I was one of those guys. I, I man, the Warriors just threw a tracksuit at me and I signed. I was like, man, I yeah, did Warriors, sure. Canterbury, yeah, I was like, yeah, where do I sign? Um, you know, you didn't really know your value uh, yeah. until you sort of came across to England and then um, you saw what sort of contracts were being, you know, put in front of these guys. Um, but, you know, it didn't matter. Like, you know, I, I really wanted to be a warrior. Um, mm. I was exciting. I'd, uh, I'd gone to all the matches at Carlo Park back in the day. Um, you know, I was there for the buzz, the jersey launch and when they gave away a Mustang car at Carlo when, they, when the Warriors played uh, Canberra Raiders, 
you know, I was all in. You know, it didn't matter. Money didn't matter back then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it soon, you know, it soon then changed quickly. You know, you're all, well, you're going to university now. Oh, okay. You're not just, you, you get out of school and things change. You know, real life changes. Yep. So. How did, because you played for a season in Wakefield before you came back home, because there was a swap deal, right? You and Andy Platt swapped. So then you could go to Wigan and he would go to the Warriors. What was Warriors, your foot? Yeah, sorry, Frank, you go, Henry. Frank Endicott was a junior Kiwi coach. He was also the Warriors uh, reserve grade coach. Uh, there was that 18-month period where uh, we weren't playing. So yeah. the Wakefield coach, uh, Dave Topolis, uh, just sniffed around, asked around. He asked Frank and a couple of the management if what what I was doing, and um, they said, no, he's not playing. You'll probably go back to Auckland and play um, some of the um, – like provincial stuff, they were just starting up in Auckland yeah. oh, in New Zealand at the time. Um, I was a Waitakere Raider. Um, but they came to them as, as kind of our guardians on that tour. Then they came to me and I said, well, yeah, you know, if the Warriors will let me have a short stint, means I'll get to play against Wigan, Leeds, you know, Ellery Hanley, all these, and uh, Jonathan uh, Davis at Warrington, all these like guys I'd seen on TV. I'd get a chance to play against them. So... Frank made the call to, I think, Ian, um, or the chief exec at the time. Oh, uh, they, they, what was his name again? Ian yeah. Robson. Yeah. Ian Robson, yeah. Um, and they, they thought it would be great for my development. And so I went to Wakefield in December. Um, and the season went uh, from, like, August to May. Yep. And my contract. So this is the, the, this is the exciting thing. I was going to get paid, paid money to, to play a game. So I was like a hundred pounds, which at that time I think the, the exchange, I did all this exchange rate stuff and New Zealand to what a can of coke is worth. And so I figured out that you know I was gonna I was gonna live on a hundred pounds, which was three hundred dollars a week. But I was still getting pocket money at that time, which yeah. is twenty bucks. So to live <laughs> I was getting three hundred, you know, my head three hundred dollars to live on. And then if we won a game, I was gonna get like three hundred and fifty pounds. Which is like a thousand New Zealand dollars. I was like, oh my God. What I didn't realize is that before I got to Wakefield, they'd only won three games out of 16. Yeah, okay. Out of 16 to go. And uh, I didn't think my chances were very good. But, and, and, and obviously then as well, you know, they were trying to avoid relegation, which was the bottom two teams. And at that time, they were third from bottom. So they're on the, they're on the, the edge. But I, I had a, like an amazing time. I had just like an amazing time um, at Wakefield. You know, it wasn't a, it's not the like, I don't know, it's, it's a, you know, working class area, um, yeah. but just good people, you know, took me on board because, you know, I, I just played my guts out, you know, um, and, you know, we, we, we stayed up. Uh, we won a bunch of games and I got my thousand bucks. So I was it. <laughs> Yeah. What did you? What did your parents think about? Because you're still a young bloke, well, you're 18, 19 years old. You know, yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, you don't ever go back to New Zealand after this. But they don't know this. But what do they feel about you moving away from home? Oh no, they're all up for it. Um, no, they were they were really up for it. They were like rap for me. Um, I just wanted me to, you know, with whatever I did, just do it 100. Um, percent yep. Do it with a lot of pride and a lot of respect. Um, and I. I I was, pretty, I was homesick at first, 
just because I live with mum, you know, mum had done everything for me, you know, pretty much. Um, so when I moved, uh, and it was a good story, but also a sad story because I moved um, straight into Wakefield and I, I got picked up at the airport. Um, uh, sorry, by the by the club, but I got put into a, an apartment on my own. Okay. And it, it was a nice place, but I'd never lived on my own. And it was yeah. weird. It was, it was cold. It was... Um, so I literally, in the first week of moving to Wakefield, the... The, the guy that did the stats um, was a, a really nice English guy. His son played for the club, Kieran Allen. Um, so I kind of spent a bit of time with Kieran around the club. He said, come meet mum and dad. So I met uh, uh, Keith and Margaret Allen. Um, they invited me for dinner and I, I stayed there for three months. <laughs> I gave Everyone up my did leave. <laughs> was the food that good? <laughs> Margaret was Irish. Um, she knew about like looking after her boys. I became one of her boys. They became my English mum and dad, um, and my British mum and dad because they just took me under their wing. Um, Kieran looked after me. We trained together. You know, I was trying to help him get into first grade, and he played a few first grade games. Um, and it was just amazing, yeah. So yeah, you know, nice. had it been for that family, I, I may not have enjoyed it. I may have gone home, you know, but because of that family looked after me, treated me one as their own. Wakefield treated me as one as their own, um, yep. and we won a bunch of games. And the, and the boys, we had some fun on the way um, when it wasn't much fun before I got there. And they brought another couple of signings in. Um, Matt Fuller, who was from Perth, Western yeah, Reds, he was yeah. there. Book he was player. a hooker. Yep. Yeah. Uh, great guy, looked after me. Um, yeah, I mean, all, the, all the guys really. You know, again, I was a young guy, so if I made a mistake, I made plenty. They were just like, well, make it up for us and you know I, I did my best to you know kick goals and that as well so uh, I think that helped yeah before we continue on to you moving to Wigan you know you made your test debut against France coming off the bench just after that junior Kiwis tour you know it's kind of funny because you made your test debut in rugby against France as well so that connection between playing against France is kind of uncanny no I, no I didn't play against France I came off the bench um, I played against one of the French clubs I think it was Toulouse. Okay. Yeah, well, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't the actual national team. No, my first test was against Australia. In oh, it was officially against yeah. Australia, okay. Yeah, uh, but I came off for the Kiwis against France and, and uh, against one of the French teams. It was a bunch of French players, uh, national players in it. Um, yeah. Scored a try. Um, was just buzzed that I was on this, this trip with, you know, like uh, Stephen Kearney, uh, uh, you know, um, Tranobotica, just like uh, idols, you know, idols of mine. Um, I was just, I was got so, I got so lucky um, because uh, the front row forward got injured. Um, he got sent back to New Zealand and, and it was cheaper for New Zealand to kind of promote someone from the junior Kiwis. Um, that's not why they did it. I think Frank, Frank rated, um, you know, a bunch of us and I think I was quite lucky that there was me that got asked to go over, but it was kind of like an apprenticeship type thing, and uh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. I joined the Kiwis at a tough time. They just lost a three-zip uh, three series to Great Britain. Um, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't a perfect um, camp, but I think all the guys were kind of glad to have something else to worry about. So I came in, and they were all like, hey, you know, this young fella hasn't played ARL yet. Um, yeah, not playing any senior senior real rugby, but um, 
you know, they kind of looked after me and yeah. gave guys a distraction away from, you know, that series loss. And then going to France was quite good to refresh and, and then we won that we won that yeah. test match so, and won those games and I think it kind of ended the series and that tour. And I, I'd obviously grown up playing against Gene Namu, so I yeah. got to a room with him um, and he just gave me all those sort of tips on, you know, and his life at Manly at the time and what it was like, you know, playing premiership and you know, how tough it was going to be. So I think it was a yeah, real eye-opener for me and it just helped in my development. Yeah, Henry, you just mentioned Frano Bodica, and he's one of the greatest goal kickers of all time. So that just got me thinking about goal kicking because you're one of the greatest goal kickers of all time. So who taught you to goal kick? Um, no, no one really taught me. I, I watched, like, um, uh, I had an auntie that owned a, uh, was a uh, video, wasn't a video easy, but it's kind of like a video store. So we used yeah. to get all the uh, ARL games on, on videotape back in the day okay. before you know, televised. So yeah. all, all the midweek competition games that they had, the uh, under lights, we get all those games. And at that time, Parramatta were like a top team. So, you know, I'd watch all Stirlo and all Teddy Borden yeah. and all these guys um, and, and watch kicking. And uh, I, I basically, like like a lot of goal kickers, you know, kicked in the park. My, I lived in my local park, you know, from sort of straight after school till, till nighttime, just kicking over the where the girl guides building in the in the park. And yeah. I used the uh, the down the down pipes okay. for the guns. They used yeah. to stick up like little mini posts, <laughs> but really narrow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just went across the park kicking towards that. And that was my sort of how you learn. And I tried different styles. Yeah. I went backwards, you know, did a king crowner where you just do use your foot to create the little mound. You know, uh, then I tried sand and used to tinker with stuff. And yeah, I, you know, now, you know, rugby balls back then were the old leather Adidas. So yeah. you break your foot every time you kick the ball. But I think that, that, that strengthened my foot as well. Yeah. But uh, you know that record just, that you hold, you and Hazem have a 35 consecutive goals. I'm not sure if it still stands, but at the time when you guys were playing, you did. How, how do you feel yeah. like, do you even know it's happening? Like, did you know that you were going towards a record at all? No, not until I got to uh, over 30. And then someone, um, I think it was uh, Eddie and Steve-O from Sky Sports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like in passing mentioned it to me and I was like, oh, wow. Because then that's when it kind of actually stressed me. Yeah. I didn't worry about it before then because you kind of didn't really know. And, you know, I talked to my union friends and they're like, wow, it's rugby league. You know, you don't take penalties from very far and stuff. And, and they're <laughs> And they're right, but you still have to take it on the sideline. Yeah, um, yeah you, know, you know, a funny story. I was with, um, I was playing at Gloucester um, with Duncan McRae. Yeah, um, he's a halfback. He was, yeah, he's halfback. He came over. And we were watching the game when Hazen was playing for Canterbury. And they mentioned that he, on this next kick, he's going to break Henry Paul's record because he was on 35. Okay. And he was five steps to the left of the post in front. It was a sitter all day. He and missed. He the, and he missed. Oh, God. <laughs> jumping up, celebrating like, like idiots. Like idiots. Uh, <laughs> I was an idiot. But I, I think so. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, think, there's, I think there's a few people that are broke. And, and in rugby union, like some of, the, some of the, the areas where they take shots at goal, just yeah. you probably wouldn't be in rugby league because, you know, it's position. 
you know, it's field position, let's get upfield. Um, uh, so I think some guys in rugby union are up and maybe into the 40s. I know there was a guy in, I think, Championship Rugby League, Barry Eaton, um, nice guy. I think he had something like, apparently had 38, 39 uh, consecutive kicks. Uh, if that's true, then, you know, that kick, kick my butt. But, you know, you know, it's it's always nice when you're, you're in your prop 40 score out wide and kick it and nails it. And, you know, they were really important points, I think, that, that season. Um, but, yeah. But, you know, and the funny thing is, I, I, I then I think I kicked the next consecutive 13 kicks after that missed kick. And it was at, it was at Castleford. I remember, I remember it clearly, Castleford. And all the, the Castleford fans on that sideline would give me so much grief. I didn't really know they knew my, my mum and dad and my... And my and and my my girlfriend and my wife at the time they they yeah. knew her intimately the way they were talking about her from the sideline, um, trying to put me off my game and uh, and it worked because I I I stubbed you it. And I think, yeah, <laughs> it hiked. Um, you know, and you have a giggle with the fire. Oh, yes, I love the British crowd and I love the fa- I love getting grief from them because you just giggle and laugh and you know it was, it was a lot of fun. I just, I used to talk back at them and. And, and, you know, wink at people and, you know, wave when they're, like, just hurling abuse. It was just like, <laughs> was like what? Like, what? Like, I'm, I'm getting beat up here. I don't even know what, you, what you're saying to me. Go, go bring me more. It's, like, it's actually making me, it's giving me extra energy to play better. <laughs> so, Henry, take me now because, you know, after your humble beginnings in Wakefield and having to play for a lower team, you know, you you all of a sudden you're playing for the best team in England in Wigan, and then after that, you play for another successful team in Bradford. How did you handle kind of the change in expectation and probably the pressure of playing with bigger clubs? Um, I mean, I yeah, I, I think I'd just come off the back of the Kiwi playing for the Kiwis, so um, I kind of knew Freno and I knew a few guys that were at, at, at Wigan, and they were obviously coached by Graham West, who was um, you know real real top mentor for me, been in the game a long time, but he was still, you know, still very laid back, Kiwi-ish. Um, and, you know, he didn't, he didn't exude any stress and put any stress on me. And luckily there were a bunch of young guys coming through that I played against, against in the Wigan Academy, Simon yep. Horton, Shalinsky, Faz. Um, and, and, you know, so, so I wasn't kind of on my own. There were the other guys on the team having to prove their worth and, and then you, you're all, always being pushed by the senior players at Wigan. I learned a really good lesson, you know, um, from day one, you, you didn't go into the physio room unless you had something broken. It okay. wasn't a place to meet and greet and have a laugh. That was a serious place because things were wrong. You had to be on the field training, getting your reps in, getting the knowledge, learning how each other plays to make us a successful team. So best, best learning environment ever. You know, coming from junior Kiwis under Frank into the Kiwis under Howie Tamari and all those senior players, and then going to Wigan under under Sean Edwards, Mana Fire, and all these yeah. legends, Frank Tuga Mala, and um, and then being coached by Graham, who's a you know fantastic career, um, and had also been mentored himself by top coaches, um, John Dorohy, John Mooney. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I was I was just like a sponge, sucking everything up. I was made sure it was because of Inga, 
um, he used to pick me up and we were the first to training pretty much, apart from probably Sean and mm-hmm. Frano um, and Faz and a bunch of other guys that, you know, everyone was so dedicated. Um, Dennis Betts, um, Phil Clark, uh, these guys yeah. were just so professional, you know. But also they had a laugh about it because the, the, the British, the English have got a real dry sense of humour. Um, they do. <laughs> you know, it was all fun. You know, serious, but serious fun as well. You know, there was yeah, always... you a, need to find that balance. Yeah, there was a real nice balance because they'd done, been there, done it. You know, Sean was coming off eight Challenge Cup victories in a row. You know, Dennis's six, Phil Clark, you know, they, they knew the stress and the pressure. And there was, for those guys, it was their last season because they were all going to the NRL or the ARL. So they wanted to have a big season. Um, and us young guys coming through, You've got to you've got to bring it, or you'll be gone. It's professional, it's business. So, you know, as much as you know, it was fun. There was also that real serious. We got to win games, and then you're playing the Central Park, which was just awesome. Yeah, the old it, school venue. Yeah, we got seventeen, eighteen thousand a game at Central Park. Yeah, and then get games like St Helens, and oh my man, the, the noise was was a little bit different to to, to Jack Colvin Park in Tiaratu. That's that's for sure. <laughs> You're a long way from home. So, you know, you just mentioned NRL. Henry, how close? Because I know that Canberra wanted you, Canterbury wanted you. I know a lot of clubs wanted you in the NRL. How close did you actually come to coming to Australia? Oh, I, was, I was pretty close. Um, oh, yeah, I was really close. I, obviously, it was a massive part of my um, desire uh, was to play in the in, in NRL. Um, I don't know, just just... You know, there were some things that didn't quite add up, and there was, and then, and then at the time there was a lot of things that came out on certain deals and things, and I just, I just didn't want to take. There was a risk factor. There was some things that were probably not right, and I knew they weren't right, and yeah, um, I decided to, and it was, I don't know, I just, I, I just had that kind of come off the back of five great seasons with Wigan, had three. Amazing seasons with Bradford and in Union and gone professional in '95. I just there was just I just wanted to test myself in something different. I just got a little bit stale, I think. Yeah. Um, and and obviously also wanted to test myself in the other game, um, which I played as a kid and knew I could play. Um, but yeah, and and so when the, a corresponding deal came at the same time as as the NRL deal, I know one deal was kind of a little bit on the not totally right. And the other deal was, you know, yeah, it was, it was correct. It was done right. It was done through the yep. right channel. And I just, I went that way. And uh, I kind of, a little bit, part, a little part, part of me regrets it a bit because um, I always mm. test myself in that, in that environment. Um, but I got to play test match rugby. I got to play against the best guys. So it's kind of, it kind of I was okay with it. Yeah. Before we move on to Rugby Union to finish, you know, you play those three seasons at Bradford. You know, obviously you're in the halves with your little brother, who also is your captain at the time at, at Bradford. Was that the major reason why you did move to Bradford, your brother? No, I tried to get him sacked as captain. I, I really wanted that job. <laughs> uh, it was part of the deal. I, I would come and replace him, but they, they, that page got lost, I think. I think they, they, they shifted on me. Now it was pretty hard. It was it wasn't hard at all to be captain by him. But there were there were moments where 
the little brother thing and the older brother thing crossed over and it got in the way of other players. And I do regret that. And I know James Lowe's and, and uh, Brian McDermott, they'll, they'll remember a couple of stories really well. But to me and Robbie, I kind of always saw him as my little brother. Um, and I, at times I forgot, because, you know, I, I was one of the team leaders. There was times when we had, well, no, I want to do this. And he's like, well, no, we're going to do this. And I'm like, well, no, I'm just going to do it. He goes, well, you're not, because I've got the ball. And I, you, well, he wins, because you can't take a quick yeah. tap and he's the ball. Yeah. Um, but it, it, was, it was done in a, you know, it was professional, but it was done in an unprofessional way. It was to, to win, um, but me and him signed a couple of times. And then, you know, we, you know, two minutes later, you laugh it off. You're like, shit, I think, I think the other boys think we're serious. You know, we weren't. <laughs> we just, um, we had, you know, differing views. And, you know, I was like that at Wigan with Sean Edwards and senior players. Because you have to, because you, you, you just, you want to win, right? So, there's certain different ways of winning. Um, we don't always come to the same conclusion, but we generally, most times, we came to the, the result which mattered. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of funny, funny stories. That, um, funny to <laughs> the other guys. Or funny to me and Robbie, not funny to the other guys at the time. Yeah, I can only imagine. So now, Rugby Union, Henry, you know, you become a dual international. At what stage, because your grandma's from Liverpool, but at what stage did you think or even even think about the fact that you might be able to become an England international? Well, England helped me become a Wigan player. I became a Wakefield player because I got my um, ancestry visa. So mm-hmm. I wasn't on the quota system for any of the clubs. So it was huge for me in terms of my, you know, my career and my business, which was you know, using my assets as a player to yeah. actually have a lot of money. Um, because I got my ancestry visa through my grandfather who was born in Liverpool. Um, then I was I was gold to clubs because I didn't I didn't count on any quota and I quotas yeah and um, so yeah so as soon as I got that you know it was you know I knew straight away my you know, first couple of months in England you know went sort of spent some time with my auntie then my great auntie that lived in Eccles, uh Manchester and I went up to see when my grandfather was brought up um, yep. in Cumbria um, so you know big part you know I'm proud of my Maori heritage and my multiculture and I'm also proud of my English side. So mm. I don't see it any different to a Samoan Kiwi to a yep. Kiwi, Fijian something Australian, you know, it's similar, right? So um, when I decided to go to rugby union, um, it, it was kind of even a no brainer. It's like, well, you qualify for England, do you want to play for England? I said, well why not? Yeah. I, I my mum and dad about it, not thinking that I needed their permission. Because I, I can do, I'm a grown man. Yeah. Um, my old man was, he was all for it. He said, "Look, they're gonna, they're gonna pick you, and you want to play. And like we've always been, just give it a hundred and go hard." Mm. Henry, and, that, that that game against the the Wallabies, where you got taken off after 25, was that? In terms of like handling adversity and having to come back from a major setback like that, how did you you handle all that? Uh, it's that that moment soured my career, the rest of my rugby union career. Really, for that that moment, that was a bit defining because yeah. I'd come off the back of just being South Africa, who were the Tri Nations champs the week before. Yeah. You know, everything was going rosy, and I I'd taken a bit of a knock on my shoulder. Um, and there's no excuses. I, I played poorly in that Australian game. I was playing poorly. 
I would have just liked a message, you know, maybe get to half time, lift your game. You know, part of Andy Robinson's um, remit of you know his style, he wanted to be different to Clive Woodward, and and I get that and I respect that. Part of his thing was we're probably going to be a little bit more. Hence why they picked me. We're going to be a little bit more um, adventurous. We're going to be. Yeah. We're going to try and the ball a bit more. We're going to go side to side. Uh, England under Clive with that team, that very experienced um, team, was kind of direct. You know, they're a very direct team. Great set piece. We were a little bit different. Guys were coming out of you know coming coming to retirement age. Team was changing. Um, so that that was I think why I was brought in to kind of promote the ball. And my first test was under under Andy was was Canada of all of all teams that we thrashed at Twickenham. I mean, we showed total respect because, you know, if we could put 70 on them, we should put 70 on them. You know, yeah. we didn't let up. You know, we didn't kind of feel sorry for them. Um, and I think they respected that at the time. And then South Africa turned up thinking they were going to roll through Europe and Ireland had beat them. So, you know, we did a job on them. And Charlie, um, um, Charlie Hodgson was, was amazing fly half that day. And I think, you know, I just was a nice sort of... Um, a support player for him that day. Um, you know, when we beat them, you know, well, by 30 points. So the Aussie game, you know, I kind of tried to push the ball a couple of times. I, I was offside. Um, you know, I was, I was just silly. I was, wasn't in the moment. Got caught yeah. offside being a kicker. It's probably gave away a couple of things, you know, in terms of position and field position. That was dumb. You know, but it was, it was the November Test matches. It was the autumn. It wasn't. Six Nations. Mm. Um, so Does I, it give I you would've... kind of now, like, because seeing that you're a coach now, right, and it must, just from hearing what you're saying, it's like a communication between a player and, and a coach. Does it give you kind of ideas now that instead of hooking someone after 25 minutes, that a decent amount of communication has to go out first before you actually do take a player off? Well, I, I, look, because some of my players might be watching this, and I, I won't. You know, I'm going to tell them now: if you're playing poorly, you're off. Um, no, <laughs> no, I, I, I'll be realistic about it. I'll, I'll think: or is this guy costing us? Because I don't think I costed us that day. Yeah. You know, it was seven nil when I came off. The game, the game was was there to be won, and then the fair play of the rest of the team. The game was close in the end. Um, yeah, I wasn't playing well. I, I, yeah, I, like I said, I, I had a bit of a, a dodgy shoulder, and that's no excuse. Um, so I probably just needed a bit more time to, to keep, get it warm and make a couple of shots. And Because you know, defensively, I was sound. I hadn't missed any tackles. The tackle that was missed for the try was on the other side of the field. So I don't think I was – you know, so – now, as a coach, you know you you got to weigh up the situation. You got to weigh up what's happening. You've got to send messages and communicate. So no one came up to me and said, "How you feeling? What's going on?" It was just you're off. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I, I, I took it and I, you know, I, you know, didn't moan about it. Um, I'm moaning now because I can. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted, you know, just you just want that clear line. And it wasn't really given to me. And I think ever since that day. There were a bunch of other guys tried in, in my position that didn't that didn't kind of work as well. And I'm not sure they were all given the right amount of time to succeed as well. You know, is that the reason why Andy's Andy Robinson's time as England coach didn't work out? I don't know. 
you know, there's there's a whole bunch of things that go with it. Um, and, you know, I'm one aspect of it. And, you know, it, it was just a shame because I love that environment. I love being in that team. Um, I love playing for England. Um, I was proud of, you know, both both sets of folks and my, my roots. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's made me, it's made me as a coach be more very aware of the full picture. Yeah. Definitely. All right, Henry, let's wrap things up with a few of these personality questions. First one, who was the leader that you most admire and why? Um, I, I, I can't put it down to one person. I, 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 I saw your questions and I, you know, I little think back and it kind of makes you reminisce of it. But John Ackland um, in Auckland uh, was, was a mentor, young, one of our under 20, 21 Auckland coaches and, and Auckland sort of area coach. And he was, just, just the expectations he had to dry wit, um, yeah. his, his de- attention to detail, his knowledge um, was awesome, and his trust in the players and the guys you know that he he selected for his squad made you feel um, like you really owed him something. Um, Matt Elliott was you know a great mentor and a good coach for me, um, let me express myself. Brian Noble, who succeeded Matt, was was you know learnt a lot of a lot of great coaches. Um, Frank Endicott, you know, just with his energy with the Kiwis. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. You know, I, I bring the juice every day as a coach because, well, Frank, he used to just, you know, turn up, smile on his face, you know, let's go get him, boys. And even though, you know, a lot of times we were underdogs, he never let you feel that way. You always felt like, made you feel like, you know, you could go out there and, you know, grow 10 feet taller. Um, I learned, you know, I think being under Clyde Woodward, his, um, his strategies and, you know, his mm. way team leaders in and just attention to detail you know my time with England we had a uh, an eye coach um, we talked about being opposed under pressure there you know it was he was just you know really you know, maybe there was too much going on you, you had to worry about you know your recovery side of things and then you know my getting my kicking in and my eating my nutrition going well and my doing my yeah. eye coaching my doing as my playbook I sussed that all out but, there was a lot going on with that with that England team, but that's you know part of why they were successful was his attention to detail. Um, Brian McDermott, you know, I played under when I was at uh, London Broncos, uh, you know, and, and same with Tony Ray. I, you know, for my coaches in my career, because I stayed around at clubs for two, three, four seasons, is because the people that were above me were all good. You know, Dave Topless at Wakefield, you know, just uh, used to tell stories about how he played and. You know, can you do this with the ball and play with it? And, you know, um, just just learn a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, you've had, great, you, you've had some Steve good Diamond. coaches, man. Yeah, Steve Diamond and Kinsey Jones have been, you know, my rugby union in terms of mentors have been, you know, fantastic. You know, Steve Diamond, you know, is a, just a fantastic motivator. He's a bit of a bit of a bulldog. You know, he'll get Steve into something and he won't let go. And that's you know, learn a lot of that. And Kinsey's real smart guys, like empathetic to players and players in a coach. So, yeah, learning a lot. Yeah, another question from Matty. Now, he wants to know why you rang him every day and asked what time training was when you knew training was the same time every day. <laughs> um, I don't know. It might have been might have been in my single phase. I might not have been home at the time. And <laughs> in front of me. Um, yeah, that's probably the reason. You'll probably think about that. <laughs> All right, we'll hey, move on. He was always questioning. Good thing about Matt, he was always, 
what would you do with this? Well, you know, uh, this guy came under you. That was nonstop. So to give a, to give him some back. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Matt, and I was oh, I, I probably disappointed I didn't go to Penrith and, and play under underneath them at Penrith Panthers. I should have done that, but. It is what it is. It is what it is. So, you know, you've had some awesome opposition over your time. Who do you, who would you say, if you could name one, who would you think would be your most respected opposition or opponent? Um, hands down, Brad Fiddler. Hands down. Um, I mean, that Aussie, that Aussie era, during my era, with the greats, there's too many to name. But that one guy... He killed us on three or four occasions on his own. Yeah, you know, um, you know with Darren Lock here and and Andrew Johns. I mean, they're all like amazing. Like Wendell Sailor, like Takiri, um, got to play against Anthony Mundine. You know, like just awesome players. But bad fella for the Kiwis and the Aussies. Just he just kept coming up time and again. That you know, the semi final against Aussie. Uh, 95 World Cup, you know, when we come back and, and bloody Reggie didn't kick the goal to... That's right, to yep. Win, and we went to time. He just had this, this what do you call it, slashing left foot step and no one, a lot of people had a right foot step but not many had a left foot step. Left, just, yep. And yeah, just, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of glad and I hate the bloke as well, but, you know, I'm glad I got... <laughs> I, I truly think, you know, it just, he made, he made, try to make me a better player. You know, yeah. I couldn't hear him. He was just, but, you know, he, uh, just, I was, I was so, look back, I go, man, I played against Brad Fiddler. And rugby union, um, rugby union, I'd say, because um, um, I didn't play many internationals in the club game. Mm-hmm. Um, probably against Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny, um, for Newcastle, probably weren't as strong as they were when he first joined them. So okay. always having to probably get them out of a hole a lot. I played a good cost the team. So no, I think I think um, guys like uh, Lawrence Delalio um, yeah. led his Wasps team really well against us at, when I was at Gloucester. Um, guys at Leicester, um, like Jordan Murphy. Uh, these guys are you know, fantastic to play against again. Like top class pros and just made everything so difficult. So quite lucky I got to play against those guys in rugby union as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay, final question. Your dinner, my dinner party question. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You got five invites. Now only rules, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite, Henry? Yeah, I'll be really sloppy here. Um, I'll invite my two nanas because um, yep. my two nanas were amazing. Kind of get an awesome feed. And you just kind of laugh because they just laughed at my really corny jokes. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, New Zealand in my era, when I was growing up, was very Americanized. You know, yeah. uh, I'd probably be Eddie Murphy at my dinner because um, I, I was a young kid, watched Raw for the first time. I was able, you know, used to hear, I heard my first swear words. Um, and then I grew up in that era. I, I played softball in, in, in Auckland as well. Um, yeah. So I, I used to like watching baseball. So Bo Jackson was a. Was oh, a the sport. sport guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to Bo Jackson, I would invite to dinner because um, he was just an awesome athlete, and I, you know, I love watching him play for the Raiders, and then I love watching him play for Kansas City Royals. I think he played for. So, I mean, for a lady, I'd have Halle Berry. There you go. Yeah, she's beautiful. She is absolutely stunning. 
Yeah, if she wants to come. <laughs> well, Henry, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast, mate. Before I let you go, I know you've got a Twitter, but you don't use the Twitter anymore, do you? Um, no, I do. Yeah, yeah now and again. Uh, what's, the, Paul, what's the uh, handle if anyone wants to follow you? At Henry Paul Rugby. I'll get that in the show notes as well. Well, Henry, my man, all the best for the World Cup coming up, mate. I hope you guys smash it. I know you got a hard draw. You've got New Zealand and South Africa. But who knows? You know, South Africa lost last time to Japan, mate. So who knows? Hey, look, we're, we're going to get ourselves fit. We're going we're gonna to get ourselves uh, – boys are all hungry. Um, and we just roll the dice and we go out there and give everything for, uh, for Rugby Canada. Yeah, well, all the best with it, mate, and I really appreciate your time to come on the podcast, brother. Uh, thanks for the question. It's really easy, um, really easy to answer, uh, and I'm sorry I've uh, I've been ducking and diving from you for the last few months. So, um, thanks very much. It kind of it's rekindled a few memories. Uh, that's that's uh, that's been really nice, and uh, appreciate you uh, you asking all these in depth things. Uh, took a few shots in my in my life and my career so it's good to get them back out and remember them and that guys was the great man henry paul i really hope you definitely enjoyed that one if you did please share it with your family and friends and yeah do get in touch with myself or henry across the social medias and let us know the best bits that you did love from the podcast all right next week on the show we're going to be getting one of the greatest 2020 players in Australia and probably the world as well. In Chris Lynn, he'll be telling us his story. It's quite an interesting perspective, especially when he's chatting a little bit about IPL as well, just giving us insights into the world and the craziness over there in India. Some great stories from Lynn Sanity. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, there is a, a book coming soon. It's going to be called Talking with Champions. Perfect for Father's Day, so keep that in mind. I'll have more details in the coming episodes, but if you want to get some more info, definitely send me an email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com or send me a direct message on my Facebook or my Twitter. I'm at talkingwithtk, Tristan Nell on my Instagram. If you can share and review the show, that'll be most appreciated. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Also, the Facebook page just helps more and more eyes to get seen on the show, and that will be much appreciated. All right, guys, a few more episodes to go in Season 3, but uh, just in the works now for Season 4, putting together another stellar list for you guys. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that episode with Henry Paul. I'll be back for next week with Chris Lynn, but until then, stay safe. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.